Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey everybody, Patrick Connor here and welcome to the Knuckles and Gloves podcast. Dude, we've had boxing, boxing, and more boxing last week, this week, coming next week. It's in boxing everywhere, dude. So we had to recap some of the stuff that we've had recently. Man, I'm here with my boy, Eris Pina, CompuBox operator, a fight fanatic like myself. Eris, how you doing, bro? Doing good, man. You know, there's a lot going on. The sport is healthier than ever. We had some big fights, lots of unification fights. Boxing, boxing, boxing. Like you said, you know, you got the big Hall of Fame induction weekend coming up this weekend, bro. Boxing's hotter than ever right now. <clears throat> Hell yeah. No, it's actually dead. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, these guys, it's been said for like over 100 years, but it, it kind of kicks up every so often. And every so often, some stupid ass grifter is just like going to throw out the phrase boxing is dead or boxing is dying after like something big happens in mma like ufc in particular yeah whatever reason and for what and i'm not even going to say his name because who gives a shit but this dude one dude from the la times is this guy has literally made a cottage industry on like any time this dude's a baseball writer and anytime anything happens in boxing he's like look at this it's dying and i'm like dude baseball almost didn't happen this season shit was in like dire straight contract negotiations and they almost went an entire season y'all went on strike either so shut up yeah i know so i'm just like bro that guy is in the shitter right now because boxing's fucking lording over all of the other sports like it always has you piss ants no we love yeah and it always crawls itself back to the top as man no matter how sorted it is how how much shit goes down in the sport they're never striking in boxing i'll tell you that yeah Oh, maybe they should. We, we, we still, we still here. We still here, man. Never mind. Don't ever strike in boxing. Don't use that fucking idea at all. <laughs> but look, dude, there's been. It's just been nonstop. Uh, this coming week, it's not as busy, but the last few weeks have been really busy, and namely the last like three or four days have been really, really good for high quality boxing. So I figured we'd start with the one that happened this morning at a really odd time. Neoya Inoue wound up absolutely destroying Nonito Donaire in a rematch to 2019's fight of the year. They slipped in that fight of the year right at the end of the year. You know, it was almost 2020, but they got it in there. It was definitely one of the highest quality fight of the year, uh, you know, Beautiful. level fights that you absolutely. could get. And when it's one of those fights for a fight of the year. You want to show people that's not a fan. You show them a fight like that. Exactly. Where I mean, and it's not just, and I'm not going to try to talk down on something like a Ward Gotti one because that's oh. a great fight in its own right. You show, I mean, any of those different. fights. I'm just saying it's at that level that you show someone. But I mean, yeah, in it's, terms it's of just different. Skill, if it's highest level, um, yeah, and it, well, hurt. I mean, Ward Gotti once would speak to the casual fan too, and that's mm-hmm. there's nothing Corrales, wrong. Morales Castillo, anything like yeah, that. Yeah, there's well, nothing wrong with any of these things, but I just think that, and I would think that you would agree that Inoue Donaire one was the kind of fight where 
the skill level was so high. Dude, everything about everything good about boxing and what you love about it and what you fall and what you become a fan for was on display in that fight. Yeah, exactly. It, it was the, the blend of everything. Blend of everything, totally. So that, a lot it doesn't of, happen often, but when it happens, dude, it's like a perfect storm. It's it's, it's incredible to watch. Well, we we uh going into that fight, look, I, I said earlier, I made a joke earlier about Nicholas <laughs> Walters. And I mean, you know, like Ooh. I was just messing around. Ooh. I know. You seen him on lately? Whatever. I'm... Yeah, the dude is he's like gone. I don't know where he is, but it was so crazy because I actually I remember watching Nicholas Walters beat Nonito Donaire in whatever it was, I think 2015, 2016. We all thought Donaire was finished after that fight. And and I'm not saying that every obviously we were wrong. I'm not gonna say rightly so, but it seemed like well, I'm I'm just not alone. You know, <laughs> a lot of us were like, dude, he got his ass kicked. And you know, he also, you know, he was bigger. He had moved up so, like, what was that fight at featherweight? It was, yeah, was it? Yes, I believe so, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's at 126. And, like, Donaire clearly, like, we've seen him move up and, you know, we have success. Obviously, he was diminishing a little bit as he moved yeah, up. Yeah, but that so was up. definitely a, a bridge too far. You know, that was... Walters was a big, big, big featherweight, dude. He was a monster. I mean, obviously, like, everyone remembers his last fight when Lomachenko just tooled him around, but, like, yeah. You know, well, before that, Walters was a wrecking machine, and Donaire got he got wrecked in that fight. Like he had his moments, but I mean, for the most part, Walters just kind of bossed him and then finished him hard. And like at that point, no one had seen Donaire be treated like that. Like he was, you know, already in the pound for pound levels. We were talking like the spectacular knockouts. Yeah, he had lost to Rigendal, but still, no one had treated him like that at that moment. And um, his comeback since then, you know, after that even with a couple of setbacks as well, like, you know, it was still absolutely incredible leading up to this moment. And the fact that he was able to go back down and wait and do that. But, um, yeah, the monster was a generational talent though. That's, that's all there is to it. It's, and it's, it's to the point where, yeah, is it possible that, that Neoya Inoue would have destroyed any version of Nonito Donaire? Sure. There's a whole bunch, and is it is it also possible that Nonito could go on to still fight now and still be okay, still get some good wins? Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily see why not. We just we didn't even see enough of the fight to know. Was it his legs? I don't know. Was it just the fact that uh, Inoue is just a, a crazy heavy puncher? I, I don't know. It could have been a little A, a little B, man. right? Don't like that fight happened in 2019. Donaire is what 39 now. Yeah. That's for the for that division and going back down in weight in the fights and the long career that he's had in general for a low weight guy. That's a old old age. I mean, Donaire's different, obviously. He he's not your average guy for that division because most people already start pet start pettering out in their early thirties. Um, Donaire is obviously the exception, first ballot Hall of Famer, yada yada yada. But still, he's that was still two year. I mean, he's he's had a couple of knockouts, impressive knockouts at that since the fight. You know. Um, uh, when he knocked out um, Nordena Ubali. Yeah. Which was actually a huge win for him because I wasn't sure if he was going to win that fight, but I mean, he blasted him. And then, you know, the title defense that he had after that, he, he was looking good. But at the same time, you could still see he was like more flat footed the way he was there. He obviously, his left hook has always been his bread and butter, but he was still relying on more of his power punches and everything. And you just, you could see he was getting a little bit older. Like he still, the power was still there, the, uh, the quick twitch to a degree is still there and the ring savvy of just experience was still there, but like, 
you take all of that and still him being relative, being old two years after the fight of the year, close to two years after the fight of the year that we had, um, in a way who's, you know, been resting, hasn't taken any punishment in his fights since then, in his subsequent fights. I mean, they've been ho-hum, but just, you know, and he's still in his absolute prime. Eh, it just, you know, things weren't going to add up for him. It's it's like, uh, I can't remember this, what the specific lyric was, and y'all must have forgot. Yeah, but but Roy says some shit to the to the degree of, they say I don't fight nobody, but I just make them look like nobody. It's kind of like, you know, first of all, Roy, a couple of those dudes were nobodies. I mean, Second look, of all, and it's a level, like Roy was hundreds and hundreds of levels <laughs> above all those guys. Don't get me wrong; they weren't bad fighters per se, but like a couple of them were kind of bad, though. A couple of them were kind of bad. But <laughs> yeah, specifically, yeah, Ricky New York's Frazier, finest, NYPD's finest, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, fools fighting the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker, and fools <laughs> yeah. talking about, it. come on, no, but but beyond that, it is it's almost tough to gauge how good a new A even is because he's just destroying fools, and the guys that he's destroying are good fighters. They're obviously not great fighters. Some of them are going on to still like, you know, do some stuff after getting destroyed, you know, post Inoue. But these but are guys who are like really tough, tough guys. Like they're good fighters. Payano is a, like Juan Carlos Payano is a guy that usually go like goes rounds with everybody and gives people fits when he fights. Like he's a tough guy. You know, he got starched quickly. Um Pedraza, correct? Was it Pedraza? Uh no. No, not Padraza. What's the what's the, 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 the dude he destroyed in the in the Super Six that like talked shit to his dad? Uh was that Nieves? No, I, I don't remember who he fought in the Super Six, but it was for you know he, the he knocked the guy on the in the second round, like he just bludgeoned him. Oh, Rodriguez? Like, yes, Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember Rodriguez was a good fighter as well. I mean, I can't even remember his oh. first name, but it's like the if you go back and his like last 10 combined opponents, they have something like six losses or something. Yeah. You know I mean, like it's not, these are not just some, maybe and, and a little bit, more, but these are not scrubs. Inoue, the thing that I love about Inoue and it confirms his pound for pound status and just how good he is, is that like, just dude, he's so compact and just well put, the way he puts his punches together, man, like there's nothing is wasted. You know, like he knows what he he knows what he's doing with it. Like he knows the the flow of the fight, where he's gonna place his punches, how hard he's gonna effectively hit you right there. Like his his movements, how quick he throws these things, man. And just like everything is so compact and on point. His defense is on point. For example, round one today uh, in the first round because the fight only went two rounds. Donaire caught him with a left hook. Donaire came out firing a little bit early on, and he did. He caught Inoue early on for a shot. And you could see Inouye right away from that moment on just, like, woke up from that. Not to say he was in cruise control early on. He was just kind of feeling, you know, feeling it out. But once he got hit, it turned into a whole other thing. And that's when you saw him, like, just snapping in. And that's what culminated into the knockdown at the end of the round. Like, dude, that guy is just – he's levels above everyone in his division. And he's, he's, one, he's probably the best in the world if, you know, 1A, 1B, whatever you want to call it. There's so many guys at the very top. But – He's right there with them. You know what I mean? And other fighters too, like Tank Davis, for example, um, who was caught talking about him uh, during an interview. Like they all respect him. They know his level of talent. You know, I wish he was 147, 135, one, whatever you want to say to fight those guys. Cause imagine, imagine how that would have been. But 
the the fact is, man, he's like a mini Wilfredo Gomez right now, and I'm taking, I'm I'm rolling with it. <clears throat> so he's gone from junior flyweight, you know, up to mm-hmm. junior bantamweight, and, now and then up to bantamweight. Now, now he's up at bantamweight and threatening. And he's the king, man. Like no, no matter what, I know he says he wants to unify, and Paul Butler is the WBO champion. That's just that's that's gonna be anticlimactic, you know what I mean? Whenever that decides to happen, if that happens. We already know what's going to happen with that. Well, well, to rewind a little bit, you were talking about that first knockdown. So, I mean, okay, yeah. To to rewind just slightly, basically, for anybody who didn't watch, and I guess there are going to be some people who haven't had, who haven't gotten a chance to watch or don't want to watch. I, mean, I don't know why the fuck you wouldn't want to watch if you're listening <laughs> listening to this or watching this. That's crazy. But regardless, you know, uh, rather than any sort of fight of the year kind of action. I think it became clear pretty early on. It was like seconds into the fight. Nonito Denaire lands a left hook. Not a big left hook, but it was, I think, probably stiff enough that Inoue is like, uh, okay, all right, let's let's not fuck around here. You know, and that's I mean, kind you of... You remember the first fight, too. You know what he had to go through for that. Exactly. You know, he still has remnants. His eye still looks like it's... He has scar tissue there. You know, mm-hmm. of course, it looks okay. It hasn't split open. and ha- He hasn't had visible issues that we know of. Uh, with his eye, but his eye looks affected. It does not look symmetrical anymore. Um, and so, you know, I think that that could be a, a concern going forward, but he hasn't had to take any damage. Like you've said in his recent fights, he's been okay. He's been able to get some rest in. Uh, you know, it's, I don't like the inactivity per se, but if that's also keeping him fresh, then that's cool too. Yeah, um, but I wish he was more active too. Man. I, that's I would just like to see him more active here personally. I mean, yeah. it, or even if it's not here, just more in a more accessible way, because you only got those snippets of him, like doing exhibitions. If you saw them, remember the few times you see clips of him, like um, that someone put up, I think a fight of his that he had in Japan with a, the guy, the, the former champion that, um, that uh, Gushikin uh, managed. I don't know. Was this recent? Like last year or somewhere around there, but it was posted on YouTube and he was just, you know, it was like a couple of exhibitions. I probably saw it, but but I mean, yeah, I know that he had been kind of guarding his eye and trying to make sure he didn't have any other issues. I want to say he had a hand issue or something like that at some point too. Um, But I mean, there was no, there was no visible sign that he had any plan to fuck around with yep. no need to an error in this fight. And it became pretty clear early on that he was measuring, but like uh, the, he, the way that he, he, he flipped that switch on Donaire so quickly because Donaire came out pressuring almost kind of almost as if he realized that he needed to get something done early or yes. get respect early or whatever the case may be. And it was just, he walked uh, directly into something that hurt him. And then that right hand right at the end of the round was so quick. It traveled barely any distance whatsoever. It was perfect. And it, yeah, it was set up perfectly with a left hook. That's, that's like the best. That's just a mwah, chef kiss combination, dude. Yeah, that lead totally. with the left hook and follow with the right hand combination. That shit is the, so the, beautiful. The, the torque of it, the speed. Donaire it's had so no beautiful. clue it was coming that fast. Pow! Yeah. 
it caught him perfectly. And he's, uh, uh, this was only a handful of hours ago, but even since then, Nonito has said that after he got up from that, that he was just like, he didn't even know what was going on after that. Yeah. And then he fought, you know, and anyway, he went to his it would corner. have ended in the first round if there was 30 seconds left. As a bullet it, it, Yeah, exactly. 100%. It almost was worse that, it, that the bell rang right after that because yeah. it kind of prolonged his suffering. And as soon as Inoue came out for the second round, he just bombed him out. Like he wasted no time. Didn't really seem like he was worried whatsoever. Walked through whatever Donaire had and just bombed him out. Mm-hmm. It was brutal. Like when he, that, that finishing sequence was uh how precise he is with his punches that's what i, I know mean. that we sound but like we're heaping so dis- praise forever on him but it's it, it's Dude, praiseworthy you know yeah it is fascinating to watch man the way he set that up because he didn't he didn't waste anything again you know like everything was just perfectly placed he just went in, he like he didn't wade in there throwing a billion punches to kind of overflow him like he he kept impact. his distance. He wasn't yes. falling into him. You know what I'm like. Hold him a couple of times, and then once he threw, boom, 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 boom. Like that's that to me is one of the the main differences between like a real high level pro and champion. And yeah. obviously, it's going to vary, and they're going to be like a whole lot of moving parts. Where if a guy is just fucking aggressive enough, or if he's just hard hitting enough, he can just kind of brute force his way through there. But. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we see punchers of that level who aren't just hard punchers, but the kind of punchers who, like I said, you know, they get a guy on the ropes or, or a, an opponent on the ropes and they keep their distance instead of smothering their power or smothering their work, falling into it, uh, you know, not quite knowing what to throw, but changing angles, you know, et cetera, giving themselves space to work. That's something that Roman Gonzalez does that's just b- beautiful too. And so anyway, I, I really appreciate that about a new way and how he was able to close the show today, man. That was absolutely rough. That's, that's the way you're supposed to do it, man. That's how the best in the world do it. You know, um, look, I respect the hell out of John air. I've watched him and worked a lot of his fights over the years for punch zone and other various things. And we've, we've been, you know, he's been on the scene since 2007 when he splashed on with that big upset against Vic Darchinian. Guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt. You know what I mean? Tons of memories, tons of everything like that. So it's always kind of bittersweet to see guys, you know, who have made their name in the sport, you know, um, certified legend status, I guess, you know, for their era and all that, um, kind of get taken out violently. You know, we saw it with Hawkins. We saw it many times with Roy Jones. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to put it like that, but it's the truth. You know what I mean? Like it is. Yeah. Sometimes guys, you know, retire on their own way, like Floyd Mayweather, for example. For example, um, sometimes guys they just take a loss and they get the right out into the subset, into the sunset, like Manny Pacquiao, instead of getting knocked out violently. But um, Donaire, you know, a lot of the times, sometimes they really just need to get taken out, and this is what kind of happened today. Like you said earlier, Donaire. The, the you know Naoya Inoue the monster is such an elite talent that that doesn't really reflect so much on Donera where he's at I mean I know exactly. he's kind of made him look like that but is it really worth Donera to keep on going after this because you know look how much is he that, that he's accomplished uh, like what else is there for him is he going to move back up and wait like what else is there going for him you know what I mean like Fulton's at junior by the way so you know, at this point, he has a Hall of Fame career, all the credentials, the way he got taken out. He he took, you know, in a way to hell and back their first fight. He can always ride on that, too. Like, you know, he had a beautiful, like, summer, um, 
post um, late end career res renaissance before this. If I was him, I'd retire. But uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen? I agree. I think that the he, the old cliche, he has nothing left to prove because he really doesn't. Uh, there's mm -hmm. nothing that makes a whole lot of sense out there for him as far as uh, opponents at 118. You know, it just doesn't. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, uh, and it, and like you said, it doesn't really make sense to move up either. It, and at this stage in his career, uh, I guess he could be fighting on for money, yeah. But you would imagine that he's not going to keep fighting unless he's getting big fights, and he goes up another division, and the big fights are not; <laughs> those aren't the those aren't the kind of opponents he wants. No. So yeah, I, I do think that you know I agree with you there, and to kind of flip back to what you were saying too as far as Inoue and how he rates or how he ranks uh among the other fighters of today I think he's got to be up there I, I don't really make a whole lot of lists I know you don't really either but um if Dude, I did make the top three best in the world he has to be he's got to be I mean he's just got to be uh the biggest sign of trouble that he's ever had was against Nonino Nonito Donaire nothing to be ashamed of obviously and and on top of that nonito pulled out like you know salvaged a fucking performance for the ages in that fight it wasn't like he looked like absolute shit or something all like the that greats have one left. Left in him, right yeah what's that is it all the greats always have that one left yeah in yeah exactly he and that was the that was i guess his one and so in any case uh i think that you gotta say without question that anyway has got to be the in the top couple fighters of the world and if you rank him at number one i ain't gonna be sad no not at all man a lot of people were saying that after immediately after the fight you know and deservedly so like the accolades that he's had and the things that he's been able to accomplish so much in his career and like he's still in his prime um i'm just curious to see what he's going to do next i know he said immediately after the fight that he's he really wants to unify the division and like i said the last champion out there is paul butler who is really you know not a bad fighter but a guy that has just no chance against in a way so that's almost just anticlimactic and afterthought but once he does that where is he going to lead to junior featherweight and since we've been talking one of the best fighters in the world we got to talk about you know what um the best junior featherweight in the world was able to do this past weekend so yeah dude i think that i think you bring up uh <clears throat> excuse me an interesting point about uh, you know, Butler and stuff like that, and the prospect of fully unifying. You know, we were talking about this the whole kind of four belt era. We've talked about mm -hmm. this a couple times because uh, Jermel Charlo, you know, a number of fighters. It's recent... becoming more common now that since it's happened right. a couple of times, everyone else is like, you know what, I want to do it too. I want to be the first one because this is it. What's happening now is that even though they won't be the first one ever to do the four belt era thing, they want to be the first person in their division to be able to do that and go down the history books like that. I get it, but. Right. And, you know, uh, it's just become more and more common to see fighters look for the four belts instead of the three belts. Or, I mean, mm -hmm. like, we're not going to, we're not going to argue. We don't really give a shit. I don't think Eris does. I know I don't like, as far as, you know, which should matter. We're more. old school fans, man. I came from the era that no one gave a shit about. The I don't w care. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to shill for the, I just want to see the best fight the best. I don't right. Really I don't care about the WBO over the WB. I don't care about any of that. I just know we, I think that uh, fairly educated boxing fans or I, uh, maybe that's not the right word. Fans who watch a lot of boxing, 
generally know, you know, who the best fighters in the world are, who the best fighters in each division, each given division are, and want those fighters to fight each other. It really doesn't need to be much more complicated than that. And the alphabet organizations just complicate that shit. That being said, uh, I totally understand Inoue's uh, predilection or desire mm-hmm. to go ahead and unify entirely in the division and kind of leave no stones left unturned, uh, unturned in terms of the fellow titleists or whatever. Totally fine. But like you said, Steph Fulton, uh, you know, cool boy Steph, dude is absolutely smooth operator. Took out and one of the most stylish guys outside the ring, too, bro. If you saw that fucking, he wore a North Face, a fur North Face jacket, this bright red one earlier in the year for a Showtime show. That was one of the cleanest looks I've seen in forever, man. I wanted that too. That looked it up online and decided immediately I don't want it. But, um, yeah, no shit. No. Yeah, them shit's a good cost of pay. Yeah, cool boy stuff is actually just, it works perfectly in all aspects for him. Absolutely. I'm a big fan. And I got to give him props. He's got a nice beard. Like yes. actual, like actual beard, you know, not like metaphorical. You can he's tell he's he used some good products on that man. He seems like he seems like he's got beard. a he's got a good metaphorical beard too. From yeah, what man, tell, just, I'm, I'm gonna no, I'm a fan uh, all, all around of him, definitely. And also on top of that, you know, look, he he wound up taking a wide decision and defending the unified his unified junior yes. featherweight Former title over Daniel and Danny Roman. Yeah, yep, he wound up uh, getting a wide decision, a very deserved wide decision. And what I was going to say is something that I've said a number of times on the show, still agree with it, still will say it. I, at least personally, tend to give a little bit of extra credit to the fighters who can get it done without having much punching power. Mm -hmm. Because, and I'm not talking about entertainment value. I get it. You know, some people don't like it. Some people don't want to watch a technician take 12 round decisions. Like, I, I understand. I'm not saying I agree, but I get it. Um, but some fighters or uh, some fans do like that. Some fans do respect that a little bit more. And I'm saying I give it a little bit more credit because especially going in there and fighting it out with fighters who can, who do have the power to hang with you or to outdo you power wise and still getting it done. Yep. I, I can't find much fault with that. And that's the kind of thing that Steph Fulton does. And I really appreciate it. I think there's absolutely no question that he is approaching like the top 12, 10 pound for pound ish. Something if like someone that. put them in the lower 10 of their pound for pound list, I wouldn't be mad at that. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad at it. But I do think that he he is in need of a, of a couple better opponents yes. to get it done. But that's cool. I think there's also no question that he's going to have a bright future. Totally. Uh, the Figueroa win was huge. That was an all out war. Um, their styles mesh wells, you know, Fulton, the boxer, Figueroa, the heavy, heavy pressure guy that kept him on the ropes and forced Fulton to uh, the fight off him and really, you know, test his mettle. That was a great fight that Fulton deservedly won, even though Figueroa lost his mind afterwards and complained over and over and over, whatever. Um, and then this fight, Daniel Roman, even though he lost a wide decision, was a unified champion um, before, it was probably before the pandemic, right? He was around that time yeah that's when he lost the title right before the pandemic started correct who did uh daniel roman yeah well man let me open it because i'm not i, want to say, I think sure it was the beginning of 2020 it would have been yeah it would have been like right it's right toward the start of the pandemic yeah i would have i had to look at the timing of but it yeah Akhmedali right before then man he was one of the most you know up and coming like well-respected 
And he was a unified champion who built himself up the hard way. And he was a very, very battle-tested good fighter who was a great inside fighter and very vastly underrated. And I think a lot more. You know, I think a lot of people were expecting him to test Fulton more than he was able to. Well, and, and on top of that, too, Akhmadaliev is. It's not like Akhmadaliev is some scrub. You know, like he's no, no. I mean, even though good. he only has a few wins, man, he's in the same class, like in the same realm as um, when Lomachenko came on the scene. Like one of those guys, they have such a vast amateur career that they get hot right. shot at the top relatively quickly. Yeah, and so there's there's no real shame. And that in, was a really in, close fight, too. It was. Yeah. yeah there's no real shame in losing that kind of fight. And then, you know, it just shows, I, I, in my opinion, it shows that uh, the level of skill that we're talking about with Steph Fulton, where he's able to shut him down. Yeah. Able to pick off the incoming so well, and then just kind of snipe you just pop, pop, Mm -hmm. pop, 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 you know, pepper you all night long. And that is actually a, a whole different kind of skill to the ability to stay focused to do that for 12 rounds against a fairly dangerous like opponent running or doing anything like that. He was exactly. really, mostly staying in the pocket and taking care of business doing that, man. Like he's, he's and a- that ain't easy to do. No, no, definitely not, man. Especially against a guy like Roman, who's not just a pressure fighter, but a very intelligent pressure fighter. And he completely shut him down. You know, like it, those scores reflected how the fight went. It's one of those fights that it's one-sided, but it's like a competitive fun one-sided fight. It's not just a one-sided yeah. beatdown, Like, We've seen those over the years that, like, you know, the fight's wide, but the guy is so plucky that they're fighting that it makes it still, you know, entertaining to a degree. Yep, and I agree. I think that that's that's exactly the kind of fight it was that he would that it was. Uh, you know, Roman was never he was never quite in the fight points wise, but you never got the feeling like it was like, oh, dude, they should stop this because he's getting no, his ass not at all. He was going like the whole you know? time, man. Fulton was just putting on a clinic. <laughs> Just showing his class, showing, you know, what level he's on, which is obviously a very high level. Mm-hmm. So going from there, you know, Steph Fulton and how good he looks. And then, you know, you start getting ideas. Naria Inoue, you look he pretty good He said he wants too. to move up. If I mean, eventually it's mm-hmm. going to happen. Look, is there anybody at Bantamweight for the monster to really compete with him? No. <laughs> I mean, on paper, no. No, uh, no. Probably There's not. No. Yeah. So Paul Butler again. I, I keep on bringing him up, but like he's the WBO champion, not a bad fighter in general. But like, does he have a shot? A shot in hell? No. No. Uh, with all due respect, no. No, not almost nobody on the planet that whose last name is not is is but like not Butler is going to be picking him to win that fight. So and with all due respect, yeah. it's you know it has nothing to do with him. It's just the level that Noia Inoue is on right now. So but lead to one twenty two, I guess. But what, so you asked it earlier. So what's okay. what's the ceiling? What's how what's the limit? How you, there has to be look, just looking, he's not that he's not that fucking tall. But let me go ahead and confirm because I don't know, my guess would probably be yeah, something yeah, like five six, five seven, right? Uh yeah, sure five five, not even five five. five. five, five. Okay. <clears throat> so there's obviously gonna be a limit to how far he can go up. Now, I mean and his body too is that like for instance, remember we brought up Ubali earlier. That guy was like kind of wide and stocky. Anoe is not small, but he's not like big either. Like he looks like he's the size for a bantam weight that he should be. If that makes sense. Like I'm not, you know, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it like the body type does matter. It's not yeah. just about height, it's not just about weight. But you look at a guy, you know, like you look at, um, 
I mean, you you just think like how far up in weight could Inoue go, and it just seems mm-hmm. like he couldn't really go that far. He looks fairly comfortable as far as bantam weights go. He doesn't really look like a guy whose frame is so wide that he could just put on weight forever. But I guess then again, if you just talk in terms of height, Tank Davis is not a very tall guy, and he's fine. Yeah, you know, yeah totally. Yep. So I don't know. I mean, I guess there's a lot of open-ended questions there, but it, you know, apart from the size difference like like you know we're asking what's the ceiling apart from that stylistically it's a really interesting matchup because you have this precision puncher who's scary and is also very skilled against a guy who has supreme skill so it's a very interesting kind of style wrangling there totally it's a fascinating fight and i think it's the best long way fight that could be made right now definitely one of them like it's going to be hard to make, though, man, because of boxing politics. You know what I mean? If way ends up moving up, right, which is inevitable eventually, um, if Fulton doesn't move up to himself because I'm sure he's, you know, he has plans to move it up one day, you know, like Fulton fights for uh, the PBC, you know, on, under the PBC banner. Um, way, well, you know, on, he's undertaken with, uh, you know, Mr. Honda and others, but he's also, for the American side, he's represented by top rank. Top rank and PBC don't usually do business together. Yeah. You know, it's that's how it is. Like it's it would be tough, man. This is one of those fights that they would try to marinate and a lot of back and forth. I just don't see it happening anytime soon. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. Just because of how the boxing uh, the box world is, you know what I mean? And, and you know, I this is not a swipe at top rank because I don't know enough to take a swipe at top rank for it. Like I'm I'm not a I'm not an expert at all when it comes to the business and I don't know enough. Um, but it just seems to me like it was such, it, it sucks that Inoue is fighting at fucking five in the morning, five, six in the morning. And there wasn't even I actually had forgot that this fight was coming up this quick. That's what I'm saying. That was going to be the very next thing that I said was that, I mean, okay, look, dude, I get it. You know, it's, it's, uh, in Japan, it's just, they're just looking at a different schedule and that's all good. Saitama Super Arena, fucking love it. It's it's mm-hmm. the venue for tons of great classic MMA and wrestling. Uh, you know, it's an awesome venue. The walk-ins were great. It's all good. It's I'm not slagging that part of it. It's what you said. It's that like I totally had forgotten it was happening whatsoever until I think a little under a week ago, and I was like, oh shit, seriously? Like it's that it's that close. And then I kind of paid attention from that point forward. I saw almost nothing about it. And like, as much as we're on social media and looking at boxing things, like you just think that you would see more. And again, I'm not, I'm not pointing at top rank. Cause for all I know, they're like, leave that to just- boxing Twitter. Who's always constantly attacking them for their lack of a no way promotion. Well, yeah, it's it's definitely. I'm not a, lying. You see how they go up. It's they, a convenient target thinking. for sure. And I maybe and maybe from their perspective, they kind of think, "Look, dude, we're not putting in money to this. This is fucking ESPN's deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the rights all worked out over there, and it's on them. So if they want to advertise it, great. If not, whatever. Hands off. That might be the case, and it's all good. But to me, that sure seems like just like a massive waste, bro. He's one of the best fighters in the world without any question whatsoever. You get almost zero pushback on that from any fans at all. And so, 
and on top of that, pretty much everybody universally agrees that he's exciting. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we didn't know about this more, the fact that more people didn't know about it, the fact that more people saw, you know, let or uh, more people didn't see it, it sucks, and it just seems like a big misstep. Again, I don't know who the misstep is is on, but it just seems that way to me. So I guess in a way, though, the only upside to that is that maybe that makes a Fulton fight easier to make. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's not a megastar here. And that perhaps top rank doesn't even know what to do with them. I would hope so, man. I, I just, you know, like you alluded to earlier, I felt like he was being wasted for a little bit, you know, fighting only once a year or whatever. I know he had that injury from the Donaire fight, but like he wasn't yeah, being he's young, he dude. He needs like, to be fighting more. Yeah, dude. And he's a, I mean, like I said, he's a sorry, generational but... talent. He has to be like, there's no excuse for him not to be active. Maybe top it's selfish. Like, I'm not trying to get him fucked up or nothing. I no, just want to see him more. Selfish, dude. He just needs to be like he doesn't take punishment in a lot of his fights. He needs to be more. Yeah, I just want to more. see him more. But you know, I'm. Huh. You really hmm. gonna turn him into one of those guys that fights once or twice a year at the most? Like really? <sighs> yeah, dude. That just I just don't see how that's super helpful because at some point it seems like they're like we're seeing with Jamal Charlo. He yeah. fought almost a year ago and then he gets an injury, which happens. It fucking happens. But, look but then you get an injury, too. and now he's out even longer. But so, look at who he was going to fight, too. You know I, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so now we're having to wait even longer, where a, a fight we didn't really want in the first place gets pushed out even longer. So, yeah, that's that's kind of – at some point, the fighting that infrequently is actually detrimental. You know? Like, if you're going to fight at all, then you're going to need to – anyway. So – I would love to see him more. I would love to see a little bit more uh, clearer push. I'm you know. hoping because of the way he handled Donaire tonight, that's, you know, a light bulb turns on at top rank or whoever it is and decides, hey, we need to like really push this America this now because look what the, what the hell we have. Like this is a gem you have. You have an absolute diamond. Don't just let it go to, you know, don't let it go to waste here because letting him fight once or twice a year it's just letting him go to waste. He was so much more active before he got this deal. You know, I mean, great. We got American access to him and all that, but like, you know, it's frustrating. Something with him, man. Something, yeah, anything. It's frustrating. My God. You know, yeah. like the way he just blew out Donaire right now. He should be back in the ring in two months if they could. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I know well, that's not the business the way it is, but like, it just needs to happen. So. Well, I we I know we're crossing our fingers for a new way, Fulton, Fulton, a new way, however you want to express if that. If that can I'll happen within the next year or so, I would be the happiest fan in the sport. Like, yeah, that would be fantastic. I would love to see that because you know, definitely a new way took Donaire out back. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of outback, you like that transition? You like that stuff? That was smooth. <laughs> I had nothing. That's all I had. Nah, dude, you know, speaking of Outback, though, Devin Haney went to the Outback and brought back the Undisputed Lightweight Championship. That and he did. That he oof. did. Uh, I know. That was impressive that, stuff, man. Might not were, have been the most exciting fight, but, dude. Well, he, you know. It had to be done. You were expecting a lot more from George Cambosos, and this is not to slight Devin Haney at all, mm, but we totally. were just expecting a more you know tussly back and forth kind I of think fight. We, all, we all fell into the how he how he performed against Tio. You yeah know? well and and now we're kind of and all, the, and all the shit that he was talking before the fight at his supreme confidence you thinking that he's going to fight at this level all the time 
Well, and, and now also we're in a position too, where I said this, I said this going into the fight where, when we previewed it, um, where we don't even really know what that Teofimo Lopez win means for Cambosos because Teo's off the rails somewhere, bro. Mm-hmm. He's, he's going to fight somebody I'm certainly not familiar with when he comes back. And then, uh, I don't know. And he's moving up in weight too with, and we don't really know what the end goal for that, for the end game for that is. So we have absolutely no idea what that win means because it's taken him so long to get his shit together and come back. But uh, at the very least, you know, judging off of that, that's like really all we had to go off of. So, um, you know, I get it. And I think that we made a misstep there, not only us, but a lot of people thinking that the fight would be closer but I think that we probably should, at least me, I should have stuck with what I had said on the show, which was uh, given all of the outside nonsense, you know, if you s- set that aside, Devin Haney has a clear stylistic advantage, which exactly, that's exactly what happened. Oh. Uh, his jab was way too much for Cambosos. And he just, George Cambosos just never really got untracked, never really got any momentum, couldn't really get anything done had a jab in his face all night that's pretty much the story like it it didn't really get much deeper than that i mean everyone always says it too like the jab is the most important punch in the box you know in the sport and it really is man haney dictated the entire fight off of his jab you like and it wasn't just like i mean like he was beautiful with it he changed levels he changed the speed of it the trajectory of where it was going everything like that he had kimbosos completely bamboozled and the problem with Cambosis is that for this fight, he tried to outthink a thinker. Like he was trying to yeah. out, like out counter punch him, out trying to box him. And that wasn't going to work at all. Like there were slight moments here and there where I thought he was going to turn it on. Like, remember we talked about it uh, a couple of days ago, he would land a lead hook that like, you know, Haney was kind of open for. And at that moment you think, okay, maybe he can like, you know, capitalize off this. He wouldn't do it. He would stop again and just start, like, you know, he got into a thinking match. You can't do that with a guy like Haney, who is content to go to go the distance doing what he does. He does, if, yeah. if Haney doesn't have to be pushed, he'll stay at what he's doing because it's working. I mean, most guys would be like that too. Like, you know what I mean? I kind of wish to myself that if um, the way Haney was controlling the fight, had he stepped it up a little bit, I think he could have done more damage, potentially even, you know, stopped him at some point later in the fight. But, um, he never really seemed like interested in doing that, which is fine. But I mean, he showed he was a complete boxer. Dude. He had Cambosos completely shut down just from his jab. And anytime Cambosos really tried to do anything, Haney, you know, intelligently clinched him up, pushed him back, got back to on his stick again. You know, couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, dude. I I think that, uh, like I said, and it's really tough to know what that Teofimo Lopez fight means. But the success that Cambosos did have in that fight was he was able to land some really sneaky shots mm-hmm. that he was that he was a little bit more explosive than many people thought he could be going into that fight. And he was able to land some really sneaky shots that surprised Teofimo Lopez. And so it was like he kept trying to do the same thing. He kept trying to counter Devin Haney. And he was like waiting for the jab to counter it or waiting for something else to counter it. And and instead of uh, making something happen, I mean, this is really basic Teddy Atlas shit, you know, that you hear while he's commentating, you know, you you can't just, it's a silent contract. You can't just stand in there. Come on. You got to get going. You got to make something happen. 
What's that? that? What he did on Friday Night Fights? Teddy's notes or whatever. <laughs> that's that's yeah. that was one of yeah. You can't just you can't follow a guy around. You got to make something happen on offense. And if it's and if it's clear that by like round three, trying to just stand there counter a guy is not going to work. Don't keep doing that. But but also you have to give Devin Haney credit too. You can't just put it all on George Cambosos and say, well, he oh, didn't. No, this. No. Haney put on the best performance of his career, man. No question. Yeah, it wasn't just about Cambosos not doing something or doing something. A lot of it was Devin Haney was not allowing him to. Uh, that was I, the whole thing. He had the perfect game plan. And I get the sense that even without his dad in his corner or anyone else, he would have done the same thing. He was just. I agree. You know, yeah. yeah, I agree. He was he was ready for that. Totally. And uh, I don't think there's any question. It should have been like nearly a shutout. It really sucks to see two judges scoring four rounds for Cambosos when he, you know, he didn't. You know what? That's rounds, just being in the home field advantage for whatever it was. It I is. guarantee it was one of those rounds that Cambosos went like throwing flurries at his body and head or like one of those rounds where he yeah he tried to give him that blooming onion didn't work <laughs> exactly you know but <laughs> did you notice though in one of the fights before that uh, i think it was the maloney fight where he came out the men at work and how we were referencing the late 80s and how you know australia yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. dude that was good shit yeah we we're talking <laughs> about you know was it uh michael hutchins too in excess that fool's australian yeah yeah, 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 yeah dude yeah. There's a whole, everybody got all into the late, late 80s and mid 80s. Everybody got all into Australia. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Um, even as a kid, I still remember that. But um, Haney's the man out of the division. And you know what that means is that there's fresh blood up there. You know what I mean? It's a little bit of a shakeup. I don't want to see an immediate rematch with Cambosis. I know that he's probably going to take it. And I know that there was a clause that had to have an immediate one in Australia, whatever. But like, this fight was the way it happened. I can't see anything happening differently in a rematch. Sure, Cambosa probably is going to be a little bit more aggressive or whatever it's going to be, but I, I think he's reached his, his ceiling. It kind of showed in this fight, you know. He, he struck a bottle of lightning against um, Teofimo in that one fight, but I think he shows where he's at in this one, you know, and that's a level below these guys. So, I disagree, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's how I watched it, you know what I mean? Because if he really could have adjusted and could have done something, he probably would have tried to do it in that fight, you know, and he had no answers for that. I mean, I'm sure they're going to watch back on the tape and try to do something, but still the same thing, you know, he might make it a little bit um, more interesting with terms of his aggression, but I think Haney will rise to the occasion as well and still beat him. So I would much rather, in my opinion, love to see Haney uh, challenge, uh, fight Lomachenko next. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that's really the fight that I would find absolutely fascinating, and I think someone that would push Haney. Yeah, I well, that would be. I mean, it might not be the most aesthetically pleasing fight. There might be a lot of a lot of feints, a lot of twitching, mm -hmm. a lot of jabs. But that's just what it is, you know. There's not. That's just sometimes what the styles lead well, to. Uh, you know, Lomachenko is not going to stand back like um, Cambosis did and just kind of like faint, no, faint. Like no, once he starts figuring things out and feels a little bit comfortable to let go he's going to do something and he yep. has a chip on his shoulder too to get a, you know to really try to dominate that's going to force haney to fight back too because that's all i've been waiting for yep. like and haney has all the skills and i have no doubt when he's really pressed that he's going to rise to the occasion but i'm just waiting for that fight that he's forced to do that yeah we've only so seen good a that brief, he have to do that yet we've only seen the brief flash against linares and that was and he was hurt in that fight and he had to clinch and i want you know and that made me like wonder I need to see more now. Like, I want to see someone really, like, test his will. Someone um, 
like, you know, push him, just, just really push him. And Lomachenko, I think, will do that. Yeah, I think Lomachenko's on the downside right now, but I think he still has enough that he's really, really could push Haney. It's a fascinating matchup to me. Well, and, and I was going to say, too, every so often when you get fighters who have really technical styles and you pit them against one another and you know when the skill level i don't i don't know whether the skill level level is equal and that's not what i'm suggesting but yes. what i'm saying yeah. when it is sometimes they gotta slug it out and that's what it turns into in order to see or they have to push a little bit more and expose themselves a little bit more than they generally would in order to see who's got what you know what i mean and it turns yeah, into yeah. A, a better fight than you think it might be so there's a possibility of that too but we, we also don't really know where Lomachenko is as far as his career, how much uh, the stress of war, how much is that going to take out of him? Uh, it, it might not take anything. We don't know. But that would be a really interesting fight. Uh, seeing, you know, Tank in the mix, obviously, would be really interesting. Uh, you know, I, I just don't call me an ass, but I just don't really give a shit about Ryan Garcia in this mix that much. Well, I mean, I mean look, bro, like, Granted, I don't think he belongs in the conversation. For, he, just, does he does right popularity, now, popularity wise. Exactly. It's just popularity. Not, not in terms of accomplishment. No, man. His biggest win is Luke Campbell. A good win, but just, you know, looking upon everybody else right now who surpassed him, it's, you know, kind of in the back burner. Yeah, I know he was going through a lot of mental issues. And yeah, I, yeah, I'm not going to talk I, shit not, about I'm, that I'm at all. I'm not knocking down it's on just, that or anything like that. Yeah, I hope, no, you no, know, no. He gets all the best help he could be able to get and do with this thing. But yeah, bless I him. totally agree with you, man. He's not there yet. Sure, he, you know, I mean, he's fast and all this other stuff. But like, I need to see him. I, Let's I see him come him, back first. Yeah, let me see before him before we even start. And yeah, he's, he's talking about fighting who this person and that person. I'm like, bro, let's see you come back first. Like, it's all good, but let's see. You he's already reigniting first. his stuff with Tank after this fight. Oh, it was so boring, so boring. Yo, when you and I fight, you better not make it like this. And Tank's like, man, <laughs> shut up, loser. <laughs> you wanna one of one of the absolute one of the the best clips that we've seen, dude, in recent weeks was it. Uh, well, I I didn't even notice this on the broadcast, but was are you it, talking about when you said shut your bitch ass up? No, no, no. When oh, uh, no. <laughs> That was awesome too, but no, oh, I thought you were uh, talking about Tank. Okay. No, uh, a week and a half ago at the uh, was it the Charlo fight when everybody's there and Garcia's there, okay. and he's bet Spence, you know. That's oh, that was at the um at the uh, at the Tank fight. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, right, that's right. Yeah. That was the following he week. He banked on he bet, he he bet he bet it on Raleigh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he bet it on Raleigh, and then immediately after the fight, there's a clip. Yeah, and they turn to him, and Garcia's like. <laughs> <laughs> you see like, dude, turn and look at him you see him he's just like <laughs> yep they they turn and look at him like pay me dude that's Ooh. just hilarious that's one of the funniest and i'm i'm not even trying to just talk that shit was ryan too he ran up put his arm around him spencer was really like who the fuck is doing <laughs> yeah he yeah he got himself into that mess but hey they said he paid so yeah i gotta respect oh, yeah nah, it's all good yeah so yeah. i gotta respect him look i don't care about it. i ryan garcia garcia is an easy target super low-hanging fruit when it comes to like picking on people on social media I and that it. fight's not gonna happen anytime soon man because yeah, like, i just don't care on about his that own fight. and all it's that just, like no yeah i just don't care about that fight these uh you know De La Hoya, let happen either. imagine him yeah, yeah De La Hoya, golden boy ryan garcia these dudes are basically using these other fighters names via social media to hype themselves up and yeah. keep keep the algorithm going i get it dude i get it 
all I'm saying is I don't really give a shit about him in the mix there. I'd rather see that mixture of Haney, Tank, yeah. you know, like those guys, I would rather see Lomachenko, Haney, Tank, like those three in particular could match them any way you want and I'm down. Absolutely. Yeah, and if dude. Ryan wants to be involved in that too, after a couple of wins, I'm down with that too, man. Like I don't, you know. All good. Yeah. All I know is that like, lightweight is stacked right now all right you know stevenson is eventually going to be moving up to and i think he's the most talented out of all of them and um I, it's that's it's, true it's, you know, it's, it's gonna be a good doing, era pbc's doing a good thing with isaac cruz we yeah. still don't know 100 percent what he's got you know like it's totally they've yeah. done a really good job of kind of pivoting him off of that good performance in the tank fight to kind of mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Uh, make him his own star so that it kind of remains to be seen where he's at but yeah dude 135 is a lot of fun all i know is that right now devin haney's the man so if yeah. anybody wants to well, congratulations anything- to him man you know he went out there he took the belt back he dominated the fight he said he was going to do and he's the man of his division he went from everybody mocking him from being an email champion to being the undisputed champion you can't you can't deny the man good for him and he's still young bro i don't even think he's reached his prime yet Yep, dude. All I got to say is. That's that email champion chant. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Good, uh, you know, I mean, I mean like, it, it still is BS how he actually became champion originally. But that, to his yeah, credit, but to not his, his credit, fault. It's not his fault. But to his credit, he, look what he did, man. He, he righted that wrong. He became exactly. a champion. All respect to him. He righted that wrong. Yeah, totally. the, the alphabet you know the sanctioning body nonsense uh it's none of these fighters fault and i mean it sucks because we're left having to debate this type of shit and trying to figure Mm -hmm. out all that type of shit but to these fighters a lot of these even minor belts matter and blah 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 so we get that the point is that whatever you're looking at clearly devin haney you know he he's the man so he's the guy they got to go through now i'm 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 happy for him man there's Look, we, t- we discussed it before when I said I was a little bit more happy that, like, Loma wasn't challenging um, Cambosis right away. Because, obviously, if, if you watch the fight the way it was, Loma probably would have beat Cambosis. But that version he, of Cambosis was not a good version of Cambosis. No, yeah. definitely not. So the fact that Haney won it could hopefully bring us, like I said, a Loma-Haney um, fight, Tank-Haney, um, you know, all there's so many possibilities out there. Like Isaac Cruz, like all those guys, man. Like, I just want to see Haney fight and be tested. I don't want to see him move up yet because there's so much. There's so many other active guys at 135 and with Stevenson eventually moving up. There's there's a lot of action there. And if Haney can prove himself Absolutely. to be the absolute best of 135 after that, then you move up to 140 and the sky is the fucking limit. Yeah, because who knows what Josh Taylor's doing. So. Hey, whatever. So as far as I'm concerned, that division's wide open. But again, man, Haney hasn't even reached his prime yet. I'm not even sure if Shakur Stevenson has reached his prime yet. Um, you know, guys like that, like, dude, this future is bright at lightweight. 135, 141, yeah. you know. A lot of younger dudes with a lot of talent. Hell yeah. I'm I'm not gonna I'm I don't I'm not anointing this four kings nonsense yet because everybody loves to jump the gun on that. I'm not even going to mention that, that. I'm just saying there is a ton of talent, just like the welterweight division that we had in the 90s with De La Hoya, Trinidad, and, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so. But, like, oh, yeah. it kind of has the same feel as this right now. We'll just see how it plays out. That's all I'll say. Yeah, a lot of talent, a good amount of names, 
and a mm-hmm. lot of potential for really cool. A matches. lot of big super fights that we can hopefully salivate for because I'm already drooling thinking about some of them. Yeah, man, we've been treated. We've been treated really nicely in the last couple months. Well, boxing uh, is dead. Man, just absolutely <laughs> fucking yeah. dead as a doornail. Climbing out of the grave. We've been really treated. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, dude. Uh, and you know, this, this past weekend or kind of block of days that had boxing was also a lot of fun, dude. We got to see some really high level boxing. It was really cool. Really, really cool. Yeah. Dude. Thanks for recapping it with me. And, uh, yeah, always a lot of fun when we do this shit. Always bro, man. This was a blast. Everybody who listened in, man, we appreciate you so much. If you listen in on any of those podcast apps, if you'd go ahead and give us a subscribe on there, throw us a comment rating those things really help us if you watch on youtube also subscribe very much appreciated as far as social media goes facebook and instagram we're on there find us on there knuckles and gloves podcast but we're also individually on twitter for instance my buddy eris is on twitter as punch zone eris me patrick connor on there as patrick m connor and we will see you there eris talk to you bro all right man see y'all later Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.